All right, welcome to today's show. We've got on the show Kate Bellavaca. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Did I pronounce you? Did I pronounce your last name right? No. <laughs> no, Jim, I'm sorry. I'm used to that. Like, it's always pretty interesting. Whenever if I do stuff like this, I'm always like, hmm, what's my name going to be today? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, it wasn't too bad off. I mean, it's, it's exactly as it's spelled. It is honestly really easy. I think people just look at it and think, oh, my God, it's hard. But it's just Bevilacqua, exactly as it is. <laughs> right. Right, I won't chop it out. I'll keep, we'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> what what got you into triathlon? Um, so there is a bit of a story behind. I used to play uh, netball. Netball was my main sport, my number one sport. Like I loved it. I was had all these aspirations of you know playing netball for as at you know the highest level I could. Um, and that's a winter sport. So it was during. It wasn't. Um, it was in my university days, like I was, I didn't start triathlon until later on, that I um, was finding something to, I needed to do something during summer, like to keep me fit, because netball was all over, over with, and I wanted to, you know, improve on the area, and my cousin was doing triathlon, and so he said, oh, come and do triathlon, I think you'll enjoy it, and uh, it was, it was a lot of fun, I mean, I, I borrowed a bike, I was, wasn't, like, I was, I was a terrible runner, I, hadn't ridden before except you know riding to and from school every now and then I mean every Aussie does a bit of swimming so I didn't really have one one leg that I excelled at but I just enjoyed it it was a lot of fun um and I never there was no aspirations of doing what I'm doing now like uh that's not you know why I got involved in the sport but uh, in the end I quit netball (laughs) so, so how old were you when you made the when you started uh probably around 19 you're 1920. And how old were you um, when so you? So I just left high school, high school and I started at uni. And what about how old were you when you quit quit netball and went permanently into triathlon? Triathlon. Um, that was probably three or four years later. Uh, right. I was just doing right. short course and you know really enjoying it and having some fun and um, then I started doing some halves and and then the the, the reality was that. And netball is not the best sport for your body. <laughs> I mean, I know triathlon's bad, but a netball for your knees, yeah. And so if I wanted to really commit to the sport, I had to, you know, I was risking it. Every every Saturday I was going out and playing a game, I was, you know, putting myself at risk of of something. So, um, yeah, so that was, yeah, a few years later that I stopped playing netball. I do miss it. Like I've had phone calls every now and then from people, can you come and fill in? And there's been times I've said, absolutely. And then, you know, so my mother or guy have like half an hour later gone, uh, no way, you are not going to go play a game of netball. <laughs> so um, one day I'll get back into it. So, so when did you turn pro? I turned pro in 2005, 2006. No, sorry, 2006. Late 2006, 2005 was yeah was my last trip to Hawaii as an age gripper. So eight years ago, um, yeah, I like I said, it was never something I wanted to do. Like I didn't wasn't doing triathlon and thinking yeah I'm going to go pro or anything like that. I was just racing and enjoying it. And um, I went to Hawaii in 2005 and had a good race there, finishing third in my age group. And uh, my coach at the time, Andrew Budge, was like, you know, you can you've qualified for your pro license if you want it. And I was like, ah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. So um, 
so I did take it um, and I just did a couple of races for a few years that I kept on working full time and um, eventually, yeah, eventually quit my job. <laughs> was it a huge shock going pro or was it a natural progression? Oh, no, I think it's very different. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a huge shock, but I think you need to, um, like, it is different um, than racing in age group. And I think it's even more different now. Like, because when I went, when I first went pro, there were you, there was still just one big wave and everyone started together, like pro men, pro women and age groupers. And that changes the nature of what, you know, the swim, bike and run. You're not biking on your own. You're still biking with hundreds of other people and things like that. Whereas now with the separate starts, it's, you know, it's much better for the sport and it's, uh, you have to be strong at all three and, you know, you're, you're cycling on your own and those sort of things. So, um, so it was different and there were things to be prepared for, but yeah, I think that's all just part of the progression. Well, it, it's different. Um, I guess a lot of people don't, doesn't realize that once you start making a living from the sport, you're naturally running a small business, aren't you? Absolutely. It, yeah. And I, that was how, um, you know, my father used to say to me, you know, you go, it, it, that's what I am. Like once I wasn't teaching anymore, that, um, then yeah, I did become a business. Cape Vilaca was a business and that was, uh, and that was how I had to run it, which was a little bit difficult to start off with to understand that concept. Um, but yeah, if you don't do it, you just can't, you know, you won't survive in the sport doing it full time as such. So how, how did you cope with that side um, side of it, trying to get sponsors? Do you did you get a, have a, an agent or a manager to find it, or you a, a one-man band? No. So when I when I first started, though, I um, obviously I was still working full time, and I did that for a few years while I was professional. Then I went part time um, for work, and then it was after that that I um, you know quit. So it was a slow progression. I didn't just suddenly quit. Uh, without having experienced what it was going to be like racing professionally. And then, um, well, you know, I, I lived, I, I sat down with my parents and I said, look, this is what I'm going to do. It, it could go either way. Like it could work or I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. But um, so I spoke with them about it because I live, you know, live at home when I'm in Perth in Australia. And so um, they were always lucky for me, my number one biggest sponsors. Um, then it was about just getting some, okay results so you had something to go to sponsors with like rather than saying um, you know you're new and you haven't done anything it was getting your name out there and getting some good strong performances um, and then I did get a manager um, and uh, which was great for the first few years when I started out but now you know in the last you know four or five years um, Guy and I obviously do it together he's very good at what he does he's been involved in doing that um, for a long time and and I like now having my own personal relationship with my sponsors more so than, than going through a manager. I think it's better to know them, um, deal with them personally now. Um, you know, it's better that way. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What, um, what, what, uh, what about nutrition? What do you have for you, the day before a race and during a race? Uh, I've, I've actually found in recent times things have changed a little bit. I don't know if that's to do with... Uh, you know, just getting a little bit older and uh, racing harder or doing more races. But um, what worked, what used to work for me, say, five years ago, doesn't work for me now. So there's a few things I had to change. But um, I don't have any special dietary requirements, like I'm not gluten-free and, I, you know, don't do that sort of stuff because um, I've never had any of those sort of issues. But 
I mean, leading into a race, my diet doesn't change all that much. It's, I just generally try and keep eat healthy, you know, day in and day out. Um, there's always, you know, exceptions to the rule. There's always that glass of wine. There's always that bowl of ice cream. There's, you know, you've got to be normal. <laughs> um, but the day before the race, like anyone, I carbo load. Um, I, I have my biggest meal the day before the race is normally the breakfast, though. Um and then throughout the taking on and other like high carbohydrate snacks that I can here, it's, you know, things like bagels or and bars and things like that. Um, and I will have, I do have pesto pasta like the night before, but it's not, it's not so much that, you know, they say eat until you can't eat anymore, but I can't, if I do that at night, then I have trouble sleeping and I'm uncomfortable and, and all that sort of stuff. So that's why breakfast is my biggest meal and I just top it up as the day goes on. Um, and in regards to race day, um, it's normally just a couple of pieces of toast or a bagel with a banana and a little bit of peanut butter and then a, you know, a bowl of electrolyte. I use, um, I use goo. So I used goo throughout the race, um, goo gels and goo, goo electrolyte. Uh, and you know, they get me through and I t- sometimes even a Vegemite sandwich, um, on the bike is a nice change. <laughs> now, how, how do they go with, with, in the US when you say you love Vegemite? they hate it like i've had it's i and i don't know if it's they just don't have it right or that if you get it here i think it tastes slightly different um but we've taken it to friends houses like in the tube and they've just got the tube and put it on a teaspoon and put it in their mouth and i'm like we don't even eat it like that like i would never eat veggie like that myself so and they're like oh it's revolting and i said no I said it. You you do have to actually have it, you know, with a bit of butter or margarine and yeah. <laughs> on crackers or bread or something. So um, yeah, it's an acquired taste, and um, majority of people I've tried to convince, yeah, have had no luck. They don't like it at all. Yeah, I grew up on <laughs> it. I love it. So, yeah, yeah so do I always bring my own. <laughs> yeah, a couple of my mates in the US, they just they they think it's a, some sort of scam. Us Aussies uh, do to to try and get them to have it. Yeah. Um, no, they're not. They're definitely not into it. That's all right. We can just keep it for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you said before you had a coach as an age group and when you went on to be a pro. Do you still have a coach or are you self-coached? Um, I do have a coach at the moment, but I spent a lot of time self-coaching as well. I mean, I think I've done it all. Um, when I first started as an age grouper, I think, you know, it's a great uh, – it's definitely worth getting a coach and um, – I worked with Andrew Barge in Perth who, who um, you know, developed me into, you know, a great athlete and to being pro in my first few, few years as a professional. Um, and then, unfortunately, I had a, about a year to a year and a half out of the sport in 2007 where um, I was dealing with a few stress fractures and there were some issues going on. And so I came to the U.S. and I met um, Jeff Schilt, who's also a doc, he's a doctor, a sports doctor and a coach, um, and started working with him. Uh, for a few years and he slowly got me back um you know back to health and back into racing and then um and so then since then I've have been self-coached for probably three or four years um and look it was great I loved it and um and but then I realized once Guy and I started getting involved a bit more with the GK Endurance and we were coaching ourselves and um, and, the, you know, there were some decisions where I would have loved to have someone to have bounced ideas off or spoken to people that uh, I realized that um, it was time to get a coach again and, and you know, really have someone push me 
um, you know, so I can have a great, you know, another few years in the sport. So, um, so I'm back to working with, with a coach again, which is, which is great. It's nice not to have to think about what I'm doing myself anymore. I just get told and I do it. <laughs> so, so who's your current coach? I'm working at the moment now with um, Jeff, back with Jeff Schult. Ah, yep, yeah, nice. Uh, well, how do, you, how do you go in training with um, Guy? Do you, do your programs, do you, can you stand training together or do you have to do your own separate things or do your trainings go parallel? Uh, it's a bit of both. So, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes we train together, sometimes we don't. We may go out and we both have a run, but we'll have different pacings we have to do. So we just we leave the house together, we warm up, and then we go and do our own thing. Um, and so, yeah. And it just depends, you know, what type of mood he's in. Sometimes he wants to be training with me and other times he doesn't. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I'm lucky in the sense my, my wife doesn't doesn't ha- have anything to do with triathlons, but I reckon I would kill each other if we started training together. <laughs> well, we have to. Um, we do have to schedule date nights where we don't talk triathlon at all. Like we are not like because you know it's our job and we do it together and we live together, we train together, we work together. Like we do, you know, we do everything together. So uh, yeah, on those nights where like no triathlon talk at all is allowed, and uh, so it's quite nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So so you and Guy have your own coaching business. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yes, we have GK Endurance. Um, so I've been coaching for quite a few years and um, just, you know, with a, a, a small group of people. And then um, then we had more uh, more requests uh, last year and Guy started coaching a few. And, uh, I mean, I've always loved it. I've always loved coaching. I mean, you know, as a te- I was a phys ed teacher for eight years and I was coaching netball and I was coaching swimming. So coaching is something I've always been passionate about. Um, and so we decided to, you know, make it more professional and, and get, you know, get our group going and it's been great. We, we really love it. It's obviously majority of it's online, but we have athletes, you know, in the U S and, and in Australia. Um, I mean, we're based in Perth. So when we're in Perth, we have sessions that our athletes can come and attend a few times a week. And, um, we get a lot of shift workers cause we keep our group small, um, because you know, it's, then we can know everything we can about those athletes, and and their programs are totally individualized. So there's nothing, there's no program that's like anyone else's. So um, so that takes up you know the extra time. But uh, no, so it's been great. We're loving it, and heading to Kona. To we've got four athletes that are racing in Kona, so it's going to be very exciting to, to watch them out there. Nice. So what's what's the website for your coaching business? Uh, just GK Endurance. Just www.gkendurance.com. Nice. Now, you, you, when you're in Perth, you, you go to Swim Smooth um, with Paul yes. Newsom. He, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's helped you quite significantly with your swim, hasn't he? Absolutely, yes. Um, funny that, I mean, you know, I did a bit of swimming in school and then didn't do much. And um, and then when I went when I went professional, like swimming was one of the worst parts of my triathlon. So I was coming out in the water, you know, over the hour, which as a pro, you, I mean, you can do it, but it's a lot of time to make up and you're just gonna, not going to make it up and some of the girls out there these days. So, um, yeah, so I went and started working with Paul and, yeah, he's been fantastic. He 
you know, he worked with what I had. He it wasn't so much as um, changing my stroke a lot, which you know some people would be doing. It's they're like, oh, it's all about technique. But he was like, this is how you swim now. Let's um, do what we can with what you've got and and keeping my high cadence. I have a very high swimming cadence and. Um, it was very hard because other coaches were telling me to slow down and stretch it out and do less strokes, you know, per lap and 50 meters and things like that. And for me, that just slows me down um, a lot. So, yeah, so swimming with him and then now, you know, spending a lot of time swimming with Guy has uh, definitely helped and uh, it, cha- it changes my race entirely now, not coming out so far behind. <laughs> so so what are, what, what, what are you doing the um, 3.8K swimming? Because you, you're – as you said, you were just coming in out of an hour. You're you're yeah. you're in the lead pack now, aren't you? Um, well, no, it depends who's there, but <laughs> <laughs> um, normally like a second pack now, which is you know much better. I mean, there's girls that are you know exceptional swimmers that are coming out in front of everyone, but um, you know to be able to now get in that second group is it changes things. I, I mean, most races now, hopefully around you know fifty five or 53 depending on the conditions um or what course it is so um yeah I, I really enjoy my swimming a lot more now than I used to yeah nice so what is it what does your current training look like in um in what does your race week look like sorry what does your training week look like in race season um yeah that's we have at the moment like there's no regular routine to it as such except for probably swimming, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. which it, which makes it exciting because you know that's why we do it full time so we can do lots of different things. But and it changes when we're here compared to when we're at home. Um, so, but we will swim, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are mornings, and Tuesday, Thursdays are midday masters. So we can we can go and attend those sessions all the time. Um, we'll ride, you know, three or four times a week, one long ride, um, you know, one sort of Ironman pace session. Um, and the other one will either be a strength or an interval session. And then for running, same thing, three or four times a week with you know, a long run, normally on a Sunday, um, a short run off the bike on the weekends. And then during the week, again, there would be like one interval session and then one particular half Ironman session that we would focus on. Um, and so they, I mean, the sessions generally stay the same and they just fall at different times, um, to, to different days during the week. But the last few weeks has been, obviously we went to Tahoe and the race got cancelled. So we have, we tapered for a race that we didn't do. We ate a lot of carbohydrates. We spent the week after the race deciding what are we going to do now? So we haven't done, we don't feel like we haven't done a lot in the last three weeks. Um, so, um. Um, so we're going to kickstart our training this weekend by doing a race. <laughs> no. So, um, so, so now Tapo is being cancelled. So what's your racing look like for the rest of this year? Um, yeah, so that's what we had to sit down and work out because we were hoping to get some decent points in Tahoe and then not race another Ironman this year. But um, now we will do Ironman Western Australia. Which you know, which we don't mind. I mean, it's it's home. It's easy. You know, it's a great race. Um, we'll race the challenge half this weekend, and then head to Taiwan seventy point three, um, the beginning of November. And uh, yeah, so that'll get us. You know, that's that's till the end of the year, and then we will reassess after that and see, yeah, where we're at and what we need to do. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, I remember um, it, was, it was definitely my first Ironman and kind of probably my first triathlon. I kind of jumped into it in a deep end. It was the 2010 Ironman <laughs> Western Australia. Because uh, I, I, I didn't really know anything about the pros whatsoever, but there was two pros that um, stood out to us. Guy Crawford, because of all these funny tweets and stuff, and and you because of that um, finishing line. <laughs> I, I, I know you don't really talk about it too much or publicise it. I know if it was me, it'd be everywhere, it'd be on t-shirts and everything. But that was—I remember looking at it the next day. You crossing that line, crawling across that line, and thinking, "Wow, that must be the toughest person on the planet." Tell us a little bit about that. Um. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. That would still be probably my most memorable, amazing experience, you know, victory that I've had and a highlight of my triathlon career. Just because it's it was Western Australia, it's my home race. I'd always dreamt of winning, you know, my home home Ironman. Um, the funny thing was, Guy and I had only been together, well, a couple of months before that, and he just came to Perth, uh, and he he. He sort of said he was coming to do the Ironman, but he'd never done one before, but I was his excuse. And so um, he said he was standing at the finishing line and saw me coming down and was like, uh-oh, like she's in a really bad way on what have I got myself into here. But um, yeah, I, it took me a while. I didn't watch the finish again until the awards night, like literally 24 hours later. And it um, and it made me cringe a little bit because I realized I was hurting, like I could Tell you now, I was hurting. <laughs> you could tell in you. You could tell. You had this big smile, but you could just tell you were in the world of pain. I was. And the pro- I mean, people had seen me a few Ks before and they'd, they had seen it happening. And it was, I mean, it was, it was my fault. I didn't, I got so caught up in the moment and so excited that I was leading this race and, you know, I was you know, five, seven Ks away from the finishing line and I just neglected um, I neglected my nutrition. Like, I mean, it's something you have to be on top of all the time, even if you don't feel like it. And and I learned the hard way. And I mean, if the race had been any longer, I wouldn't have made it. Like, it would have been a different story. It was, but I do remember crossing the line, and well, not quite crossing the line. I remember getting to the close to the finish, and there was a ramp there, and I remember having to climb up the ramp. But my legs were not; they couldn't do it. Like, they just buckled underneath me. And so that's why I crawled over the line. And then once I got over the line and collapsed, all I remember thinking in my mind was, I'm done. Like, I've won. I'm done. I do not have to do anything else. I, I don't have to, like, I'm, like, not moving. This is it. <laughs> and I just got picked up and carried away. So, um, but I was sick for a few hours after the race. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I still remember it so clearly because you were, uh, but you were holding onto the rails as you were running up the. Um, I was. At the, yeah, the line. and there was. I think there was actually a protest after because I had been holding onto the rails. Oh really? Um, and ITU rules are that you're not allowed to do that, but WTC rules are that apparently it was okay and that I could do that at that part of the course so um so thankfully yeah that was okay and it still stands <laughs> yeah nice so um what about uh, what about some advice for for the just the general age group but have you got some about yeah but just some great great advice for your general um athlete that's that's maybe doing their first Ironman soon I think that um, you have to be 
you have to be realistic with the time you have available and you know and make the most of it I think some people see you know pe- people have such busy lives these days families social life work triathlon trying to fit everything in um and I think that you need to you need to have a good schedule in a place and an, an achievable schedule because there's nothing worse than having these sessions that you don't, don't get done and then it, you think negatively and then you go into this race thinking I didn't do this I didn't do that so um, I mean, it can be it can be done. You don't have to be going out and and training. You know these excessive amounts. Um, there are lots of different ways it can be done. So uh, I think that's a really a really good point is and having the balance. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are just, you know, I mean, yeah, so addicted to it, and it's just everything. And I think that if you have the a good balance in your life, then um, it, it's better that way. You'll have a much better day. Do you get that a lot with um, with your coaching business? Someone wants to come on and you ask them how, generally how, how much time have they got to train? They go, oh, I could probably train 20, 30 hours a week. And when you break it down, they're closer to eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, they have to fill in a profile sheet and they have to give us their working hours and things like that and, um, and their goal and what they want to achieve and, and those sort of things. And yeah, absolutely. There are some people that think that um, yeah, they have a lot more time than they than they actually do, and and then you know, and then every day a session is being altered because they just don't have the time. So it only takes a couple of weeks to work that out, and then between you know us and them, we can we change the schedule, and it's much more achievable. So it's but you still need to find that point where they're you know slightly being pushed into regards to the training as well um, yeah. to get the most out of them, but. Um, like anything, it's all it's all an, it's all a balancing act. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I'm super keen to hear about all your sponsors. Would you uh, like to give them all a plug? Oh, always. I have. I'm pretty lucky. I have a lot of great sponsors, but um, obviously, um, I ride a Sepo, um, and have been for the last few years. Um, and I'm lucky because you know their their frame is a great fit for me. I'm quite short. I'm a small person, so. Finding a frame, a frame that fits me has always been difficult. So, um, with and I, with Rolf wheels, I've been using Rolf wheels since my first turn pro, um, and they're fantastic. Based here out of Eugene, you know, handmade here. Um, a profile design for my aero bars, bottle cages, um, challenge tires on my wheels, on my race wheels. Uh, I, I like I said, I use Goo Nutrition. Um, I work with Swim Smooth Paul. Um, we have Matt Illingworth and Churchill Cycles that look after us in Perth and Boise here, Antonio Gonzalez at Tritown Boise. Um, so we've got a bike shop at both of our, you know, bases, which makes us pretty lucky. Um, what else? We've got Ruth Chang. She's our awesome physio and masseuse and dry needling. So she looks after us. Um, that's in Perth. And then here we have uh, Therapeutic Associates. Um, so yeah, we have a split between the two places. Um, and I also have core sports, women's clothing that, um, that I use, started working with this year. Um, and they've been fantastic, really comfortable, great gear to, to train and race in. Um, I think that my, does that carry everything? Is there something I'm missing? (laughs) I ride the CompuTrainer excessively. I love it. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So I think that's most of them. That's excellent. That's a good bank of sponsors. You, uh, congratulations on that. Um, oh, also, it takes a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, where can people connect with you on your website and Twitter? And 
Yes, they can. So obviously my website's just katebevilacqua.com. Um, same with Twitter. It's just my name and same on Facebook. I just stick to those three. Everyone's like, oh, Instagram, this and that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like there's so many things out there that those three are enough. <laughs> that gets out enough information now. <laughs> no. and what about some embarrassing stories or funny stories on during a race, training or travel? Have you got any of them? Um, I'm sure there's many. It's just trying to remember them. I do know that um, a few years ago I went to race Ironman New Zealand and we got there a little bit later than normal and it was a few days before the race and we went to go out for a run and I went to put my running shoes on and I had bought uh, two left shoes. So, you know, I had a couple of pairs at home of the same shoes and the ones I'd bought, they were both two left ones. So I had no running shoes for the race. <laughs> I had to go and get some. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a little bit embarrassing. But... Um, Right now, yeah, I, not, not, there's nothing else. Guy does most of the embarrassing stuff in this relationship. So. Does enough yeah. for the both of you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does plenty for the both of us, so it's fine. <laughs> now, I'll put you on the spot here. Who's going to win Kona, males and female? Well, it's going to be a great race. Look, I think it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Um, I would love, I would love to see Rini win again. Yeah. Like I just think she's just the true professional on and off the field and she just gets the work done and and you don't hear a lot about it. You know, with some athletes, you're constantly hearing about how fast they're running and training or they're doing this and doing that. She she just does it. And um, so I would love to see her uh, win again. The men, I must admit, I probably know a little bit more about the women than the men racing. Um I don't know, for the men. It would be great if we went the Aussie double and Luke McKenzie could go one better than, than last year. Oh, yeah. Jeez, Luke took about 10 years off my life last year watching him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think the men's race is going to be, like, really exciting because if, if it's anything like last year, there's you know, then Bobby B will be some sort of pack on the bike and it, it'll, again, come down to a running race. So, um yeah, I don't know. I think it's great that I can't just say to you, this people, this person's going to win because it means there's so many. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know for me, I'd love to see um, Crowey have a, a one last mm. win, farewell, goodbye. But then I'm split because I'd love to see Luke McKenzie hit hit that because everyone says, oh, he's best at top 10. This is last year. And then he proved yeah, all them right. wrong. He did. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can't wait. It's just again, always an exciting day of the year. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, th- thank you very much for talking with us today, Kate. And um, and I'll put all your links to your website and Twitter and I'll add on the show notes. Great. Appreciate thank you. you very much. Appreciate your time.